Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson, host of the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. And I'm so glad to be back with you. You know, we took a short little break here at the podcast for the month of July, but we are back and we have more great stories to share with you. And I cannot wait for you to meet some of the guests that we're going to have on in these next few months. Now, if you have not already downloaded our Rising Above app, you really need to do that. We have so many resources available for you there right on the app from our prayer wall where you can go in and share prayer requests and there will be people who will be praying for you throughout the week to our Wednesday wake up, which is a weekly encouraging video that just gives you that little bit of encouragement to help you get through your week as a special needs parent. So be sure to download the app if you haven't already done that. And I know that you will find so many resources there to help you on your journey as a special needs parent. Now, if you were with us for this year's By the Brook event, then you got to hear a little bit from this week's guest. Mandy Rawls is my guest today, and she is wife to Dustin, and she is mom to Dylan, age seven, and Madison, age 11. And Madison was born with spina bifida. Mandy is a high school teacher, and she's taught school for 16 years, and she loves working with students. And she's part of a student organization that she actually sponsors called FCCLA. She's very, very active in that. She says that she's also obsessed with Christmas. She loves to shop and entertain in her home. And she says she's also a huge Elvis fan. And so I know you're going to love getting to know more about the Rawls family and getting to know my friend Mandy. So here's this episode with my friend Mandy Rawls. Hey, Mandy, thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so excited to be here. I have been a fan of the podcast, so it's pretty awesome to be on the recording end of the podcast instead of the listening end. Well, we're excited that you're here, and I've known you for a a long time. I can't even, I know it's got to be probably six years or so at least. How old's Madison now? Is She's She's 11. She's 11. So I've known Mm -hmm. you for, for several years. And um, I'm just excited to get to, for our listeners to get to hear about you and your family and hear more about you all. So tell us a little bit about everybody in your family and to share with us what you'd like us to know about you guys. Sure. So I'm married to Dustin and we've been married for 17 years and uh, about six years into our marriage, we uh, had Madison and uh, she is our child with special needs and uh, was diagnosed with spina bifida while I was pregnant. And that had a lot of um, really dark times associated with it. Um, I can look back on those days and, and see um, how my faith was really tested at that mm-hmm. point in my life. But um, now, fast forward 11 years later, I see such tremendous growth in mine and Dustin's relationship as a result of Madison's and it's just really changed the dynamic of our family in a really great way. And then we also have Dylan um, who came along and he is seven and they are together, I guess, what is a typical brother sister combination, Mm -hmm. but they are um, hysterical. They keep us in stitches all the time, but also um, they are always at each other. Um, So it's, it's kind of interesting to watch um, how they work together and how, he responds to her and how she responds to him. It's, it's been pretty cool to watch. 
to see them grow up together and have those those typical sibling relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's so sweet. Yes. So I know you said, you know, Madison, she was your first child and you did know, you know, that she had spina bifida. So how, how did you respond? I mean, you're this young mom, you're finding out that your child's going to have special needs. How did you react? How did you respond? How did that impact you in those early years? So part of my response is directly connected to um, some events that had taken place prior to her pregnancy. Um, We had actually lost a baby Mm -hmm. and I found out about 11 weeks along that the baby didn't have a heartbeat. And that was devastating for us. We Mm -hmm. were so excited to be expecting parents. Um, So after kind of recovering from that emotionally and then finding out we were pregnant, we were ecstatic, but definitely nervous. So when we went into our appointment, I was 18 weeks pregnant and we were going in to find out the anatomy of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I could tell that something was must be off in the exam room because the uh, x-ray tech was or the ultrasound tech was taking a very long time. Um, I felt like she was just taking measurement after measurement and she kept looking and checking. And that to me just seemed like she must see there must be something going on here. And um, we eventually got put into the room for the doctor to come in and she opened the door and I knew instantly that something was going on. I could just tell by her demeanor. Um, She is such a naturally upbeat and charismatic person. And and that just seemed to be absent the minute Mm -hmm. she walked in the door. So she told us that she believed she saw signs or indicators of spina bifida, but she wasn't qualified to make that determination just based off this one scan. So we were sent to some specialists and um, after a really long ultrasound that yielded virtually no positive results for spina bifida, we left really crushed. Um, And I have shared in a couple of different ways at different times, but in that first Um, high-risk visit, we were given the option to abort Madison because Mm -hmm. they thought they saw a a fatal birth defect, which turned out not to be the case for her. But um, that was just a a very surreal moment for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Asking how I dealt with it, I hyperventilated on the way home in the car by myself um, because my husband and I had arrived at the appointment uh, separately. And um, I just, I could not, I couldn't process it all. Um, mm-hmm. Our world was just completely shook at that point. And yeah. so from there, we needed to seek other appointments um, and other, you know, uh, pieces of information and to see other specialists. And that eventually led us to Vanderbilt after some other really horrific visits. And um, there they said, we absolutely see spina bifida and this is, we can manage this and we can look out for you and mm-hmm. for her. And so things started to take a little bit of a positive turn, but just in general, my pregnancy was a very dark time. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I had been so shook by losing a baby Mm -hmm. and then experiencing this right after. So it was, it was really hard to process. I'm not ashamed to say that, but again, there was a lot of, a lot of ways that I can see the Lord's hand in that time Mm -hmm. with the people that he put in my path to encourage me and to kind of cheer me along up until the day that Madison would be delivered. And then we would be able to really process and know what was going on with her. And so, you know, I I know sometimes they, you, when you have a diagnosis of spina bifida, there's lots of surgeries that are involved in that. Was that the case with Madison? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we had actually been for just a very brief moment had been considered for an in utero procedure. Mm -hmm. And that was going to kind of turn our world upside down. I was going to have to move to a different city. And that just did not work out. And I, I'm, I'm thankful because I think it would have been more stressful. But mm -hmm. Um, it was determined that we didn't meet the qualifications for it. So I would just carry her to term and deliver by C-section. And so she was whisked away pretty quickly after delivery so that they could address the lesion on her spine. And then the very next morning, I mean, she was, I don't even think 24 hours old and she had the surgery to close her spine mm. and then wound up having another surgery four weeks later for some of the issues that she was having with hydrocephaly. So um, and that just was the very tip of the iceberg for surgeries for us. She's, I've lost count now how many she's had. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it gets, it's overwhelming people who haven't been through that, the medical aspect side of things, it's traumatic. It's traumatic on the parents. It's traumatic on the kids and, um, you know, <clears throat> processing through all that, it, it can be challenging sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. and so I love to see how you all have processed through that and to see where you are now on your journey, um, because it, it can be such a hard thing being in and mm -hmm. out of the hospital and the unknowns. I think for, for me as a mom, it's all those unknowns, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you just don't know, um, Absolutely. yeah, what's, what's going to happen. And, and, but it sounds like you had good people along the path who, who were cheering you on and helping you process through and making the, those decisions you needed to make for her. Yeah. Our, our family, uh, I mean, they're, I guess they're kind of forced to be supportive for us because they're family members, but now our family has been and continues to be such a strong support for us, but our friends just rallied around mm -hmm. us and our church family um, and have supported us and encouraged us and provided for us in, in so many ways. I can't even name them all. So mm -hmm. that made that time and those very uncertain days surrounding Madison's birth and her care and the subsequent surgeries, it has made those challenges so much more easy to cope with because mm -hmm. we, we knew we were never by ourselves right. and trying to cope with it. There was always somebody there supporting us and if not physically present with us, supporting us through prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. We can't do it. You know, we're not meant to do this mm -hmm. life on our own and uh, having those Absolutely. people alongside makes all the difference. So I know that you're a teacher. So tell us about where you teach and what you teach and uh, share a little bit about that, that aspect of your life. Sure. So that is, aside from being a wife and mom, that's probably the largest part of my life is being a high school teacher and have been a high school teacher for almost 17 years. At this point, I've been teaching for 15 years here in Cookville, where we live. I'll be starting my 16th year here in the wow. next week or so. Wow. And I've just had a lot of really great opportunities in the classroom to use my creativity and my energy to teach a lot of really cool subjects that are focused around the family and around just life skills. And then I've also kind of transition to start focusing on classes that prepare students who want to become teachers in the future. So I've had a lot of really neat opportunities to work with those students and, and other teachers in our school system locally to kind of encourage and prepare mm -hmm. these future teachers. That is amazing. And, and I love something that, you know, I was thinking about this interview with you, you know, something that you and I have in common is that, you know, before I had John Alex, I taught school. And so yeah. I had little kids though. I was first grade teacher. Um, but, you know, we talked a minute about 
how, you know, when you're a teacher all those years before you have a child and you go to those IEP meetings, you know, you're sitting on the teacher side of the IEP table, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and then when you have your child with special needs to flip and sit on the other side of that table is just kind of a really interesting place to be because you've been, you've come, you've come at it for so many years from the teacher side and then to be the parent. Um, So what was that like for you when you went to your first IEP meeting for her as someone who's been a teacher all these years, and then all of a sudden now you're the parent? Well, I also have an interesting perspective too, because in working with those future teachers, we spend a very large portion of what we do talking about special education Mm -hmm. and, you know, me trying to help them understand what their role as a teacher will be in the Mm -hmm. IEP process. So I've had to learn all types of, you know, the ins and outs of IEPs and, um, you know, some of the aspects of special education just so that I could prepare my future teachers. So that's, gave me even more knowledge than I would have had just being a a typical classroom teacher, a a general ed teacher. But it has honestly been, I think, so beneficial for me as a mom and as a teacher to have a foot in both of those worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, For me to know the types of questions to ask during an IEP meeting, but also to know maybe, you know, what to um, throw out there, you know, like here's here's some things I know we can do uh, through special education. So mm-hmm. could we maybe try some of those? So it's it's been a really great opportunity for me to look into both of those worlds and try and find that balance and and try to be the best advocate for Madison that I can mm-hmm. as not only her mom but as an education professional. Yeah, to 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 have your foot in both door, it it is mm-hmm. it is helpful, and um, you know, I remember John Alex's first IEP meeting. You know, I was used to to go into these meetings, and it would be you know me as the teacher, and then the parents, and then the school psychologist, and and that was about it. But you know, going mm-hmm. in with John Alex's mm-hmm. his first meeting, there was literally, I think there was it was like a U shaped table with so many, you know, people <laughs> and just that overwhelming feeling of we are just these young parents of this three, you know, at that time, mm-hmm. three, almost four-year-old um, going into this scary school system setting. And, uh, you know, it can be overwhelming. So, and, and but, mm-hmm. but having, knowing, you know, absolutely having that knowledge of the other side has been helpful, was helpful as well. So, and then you can help other parents yeah. too. And I would add to just, yeah. So I would definitely want to say as the, the teacher in this conversation, Um, I have encountered quite a few children with special needs in my classroom over the years. And because of my experience as a parent, I feel like it's made me, uh, it's equipped me more to know how to respond to those students. But one Mm -hmm. thing I noticed pretty early on is, you know, when a teacher gets an IEP, there is no documentation of the disability itself on the paper. And so we, we get this IEP at a glance, and that tells us how to meet the educational needs. But you and I both know that what the child has been diagnosed with and how it impacts him or her in all of these different areas of life is certainly a relevant conversation for what's going to happen in the classroom. And so I, I found that it's important for me as the teacher to ask parents, you know, do you feel comfortable giving me a little bit of background here? You know, what are some things mm-hmm. that I need to um, look for or anticipate or, you know, what should I not do that might make your child feel uncomfortable? Because those are the things that are not on the IEP that right. that's not made available to the teacher. And 
I would encourage parents, you know, when they go to those IEP meetings to be willing to share those types of things and just go ahead and put all the cards out on the table of, you know, here's, here are the challenges that my child faces. And here are some really great things that, you know, I think would be appropriate. And I would love to see you do because it just takes the guesswork out of it for the teacher. And, you know, gives that teacher a little bit of confidence in knowing the type of child they're going to be working with in order to meet those needs. So, um, and I have certainly been an open book when we go to Madison's IEP meetings and sharing as much as I can, just so that it eliminates that, you know, confusion or that hesitation about working with her. Yeah, absolutely. And I was always that way as well. It's like, I want you to have as much or more information than you need to be able to serve, mm-hmm. know how to help my child. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, that's a good, yeah, to, to let the teacher know everything um, that helps everybody in the long run. So Mm -hmm. that's great advice. Now for the moms who are listening, who were at this year's by the brook, they will remember you because you did a video that we played on Friday night. That was so great. Um, that shared a story about something that had happened with your, your family, I think in this past spring, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, mm-hmm. So would you share that story? Because yeah, sure. it's absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to share it at By the Brook. Um, it was a great experience for me to kind of uh, relive that when I made the video for the uh, conference, but um, it's still very much a part of, you know, what we're doing here and our family is just, you know, kind of trying to redefine how we tackle the world with Madison in a wheelchair now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I have written in that post that I recorded for about how the very thought of Madison being in a wheelchair is what just really confronted me when I was pregnant with her, because we were pretty sure that she was going to have little to no leg function based on what doctors and specialists were telling us. And um, I just, I was terrified during pregnancy of the thought of her being treated differently Mm -hmm. and being viewed as less than because she might wind up in a wheelchair, but we were just always holding on to hope that that might not be the reality for her. And so up until this year, um, well, I guess it was in December, up until then, we had fought so hard through therapy and a ton of different devices to keep her upright and to keep her mobile. And she just wasn't showing enough progress there. And she just wasn't showing enough strength to be able to keep moving her body forward like that. And she's getting older and bigger and and all. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember the last time that we had her fit for um, some braces that were going to help with that upward mobility, I asked the orthotist, I was like, so where do we go from here? Like, this is really involved. And the brace itself, I think weighed close to 10 pounds, the last one that she wore. And so of course she was struggling to, you know, move her body forward in space. But I remember asking him, you know, like, what's left? Like what other types of contraptions can you possibly put her in to keep her walking? And he very honestly, and I could tell he was, you know, kind of bummed to tell me the answer. He was like, I don't really know that we can do much more. And so that was already kind of swirling around in my mind when we went to that appointment in December. And then when the PT person just kind of laid it out there, I mean, Mm -hmm. she just like I said in the video, she very casually mentioned it, but it was, 
it was huge for us to hear that because I just, we had been fighting so hard against that those, those 10 years prior to that. And so it just was a, it was a tough pill to swallow for us, but um, I think my husband and I both knew in our heart of hearts that that was, that was the best thing that we could do for her because it was just becoming so difficult for her. I was struggling to be able to pick her up in those mm-hmm. braces, like to transfer her from, you know, from her walker to the car and then from the walker to the bed, you know, all these different transfers that we have to do. It was becoming really difficult physically for us to do mm-hmm. those things. And so I think we knew that's where we were headed. It just, we just didn't really want to accept it. Right. Um, but as I shared in that video, you know, God has um, such a great plan and, you know, I'm glad he didn't reveal that to me all those years ago that yes, 100% Madison is going to end up in a wheelchair because there would have been a lot less growth and a lot less faith on my part mm-hmm. in the process. And so when it came time for her to do that and we, we went in March, um, I just really was kind of overwhelmed and didn't know what to do other than just to say, you know, Lord, just take the stay and, and bless it because I was feeling all the feelings. Madison was apprehensive, but it was such a great visit. And she, I could just tell, was amazed in her own way about how easy it was for her to get from point A to point B in the wheelchair. And so I just, I had to leave that day knowing that that was the best thing for her and that this was going to be a game changer for our family. And I was just going to have to choose to believe that this was the right path for her. And It has been so great. I have shared with some of our family and friends um, for the first time ever, Madison has gotten in the refrigerator by herself. Wow. Something that, you know, most of us take for granted, but she's gotten in the refrigerator. She's gone to check the mail at the mailbox and she's been able to throw away her own trash from dinner in the trash cans that sit in the kitchen. And those are just really small things, but for her, it's been huge for her to experience those new experiences and to be more independent, which is what we knew ultimately this wheelchair was, would do for her. And it 100% is, it's been awesome to watch. And so, so she's dealing beautifully with this. How is she dealing? Like the thought of going back to school, you know, school will be starting back soon and she'll be going back with her chair. How does she mm-hmm. feel about all that? And, and what mm-hmm. is she excited about that? Or is she apprehensive about that? Or I think she's, mostly excited I think because she is going to be starting middle school there's there's a few jitters there she's Mm -hmm. going to be moving to a whole new school with only a few friends from her previous elementary school that was one of the things that we had to kind of consider and and weigh when we were thinking about okay is is the wheelchair where we want to go with Mm -hmm. her because um she's going to have a minimal amount of time to get from point A to point B inside the school schedule. Mm -hmm. And we knew that the walking, like she would spend all of her energy trying to walk herself there, Mm -hmm. probably couldn't get there in time and then be physically exhausted by the time she arrived. And so what would that leave for her mental capacity when she actually got to the classroom? Mm -hmm. So I think she realizes too, excuse me, that this is going to be so much easier for her in all of her transitions and just navigating the building itself. Mm -hmm. And we've tried to, you know, do some cool things. Like one of my friends really wants to make her like a a glitter stripe to put on the back of the wheelchair to kind of bling it up. And 
Um, you know, we've, we've gotten a brand new backpack that she can hang on there that she's feeling pretty confident about. So we're just, we've been looking for little things like that to kind of increase the excitement for her Mm. to maybe make middle school not seem as much of a beast as it might be. Um, but just to give her those little things to be excited about because she, she definitely is loving being able to get around on her own. So good. Well, I I don't know Madison all that well, but from what I've seen of her, she seems to be pretty resilient and pretty, uh, pretty good at adapting and, and going, you know, with the changes and and whatnot. And so I think I can't wait to hear how things go for her in middle school because middle school in and of itself, that is a transition, but um, going in, you know, with those kinds of changes, I know she'll thrive just knowing her, just knowing her the little bit that I do. So I think uh, I'll be, I'll be anxious to talk to you later on and hear hear how the beginning of school goes for her. Now, I know something that you shared with me that's important to you is um, helping children with special needs learn how to advocate for themselves when that's possible. So share a little bit about your heart behind that and why that's so important. Well, I guess that comes from my role as a teacher and sitting in IEP meetings frequently throughout the year where I feel like a lot of conversation is happening over the heads of students and they are being talked about instead of being talked to. And I think that's just, you know, I'm not, that, that's not to say anybody is, is doing a bad job. I think right. that's just kind of the nature of those meetings because you're trying to communicate to the parent, you know, as the teacher or the said professional. Um, but I think it's really important to stop and talk to children in those circumstances and to ask them how they're thinking and how they're feeling. And I've certainly been a part of meetings where students have done an awesome job, you know, kind of speaking up for themselves and saying, no, I, I don't want to do that. Actually, that I don't think that would be best for me. And so we just kind of wanted to start at, at a very young age with Madison, just helping her recognize those opportunities mm-hmm. for her to speak up and if it was a question that was being asked about her to give her the opportunity to provide the answer instead mm-hmm. of us speaking for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's not always appropriate to do that, but um, she is not afraid. Madison is not afraid to speak up and say, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. Or, you know, this is what I want to do. And I just find that really important. Um, a kind of a character building experience for her, but I also think it will serve her well as she transitions into upper level school and ultimately into adulthood where I can't advocate for her anymore. And it will be up to her to communicate her needs and her, her desires in the workplace or in school. So it's just something that we've really tried to make a priority um, from a young age. And hopefully that will be beneficial for her moving forward. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that it will. Cause you know, I know with John Alex being nonverbal, I automatically, you know, speak up for him, but I know that he's, you know, he has his opinions Mm -hmm. and, and he has, he lets us know in his own way. And it's when it's so, uh, it's so important to however our children communicate, you know, Madison's, Mm -hmm. she has no issues cognitively or things, you know, things like that. So she gets it and understands, Mm -hmm. but you know, John Alex does too. And so that's a good reminder for myself of just going, no, let, let him, uh, Sometimes he needs to, to, to guide the ship and say what he wants to do, even though uh, mm-hmm. 
it may be harder to, mm-hmm. to, to figure that out. So that's a good word. That's a good word. Now mm-hmm. tell me how you, you know, you've had lots of challenges along the years, the, the, the loss of the baby early on Madison in her special needs school, all these different things. How have you personally chosen to cope with all of these things? What's, what's been a way that's helped you navigate through um, all these highs and lows that have come your way in this journey? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I typically like to approach any type of circumstance um, that I'm in with how could, how could we celebrate this? How could we engage with this more? I do this all the time at school in my own classroom, you know, like what could I do to maybe make this more interesting for my students or for myself. And I'll, I'll say too that um, my role in the classroom has been a tremendous blessing as I have simultaneously been Madison's mom because it has been an awesome diversion for me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have really tried to throw myself into what I'm doing at school. You know, I, I've dropped Madison off at school and I 100% trust the professionals that are working with her, but then I have to mentally check out as Madison's mom and I got to, I got to put my teacher hat on, right. but it has been very, very freeing for me in that way to be able to kind of let go of those worries or let go of those stressors and just pour everything I have into what I'm doing in the classroom. And so it's, it's been a, almost a great form of therapy for me personally, because I I try to incorporate a lot of creativity into what I do. And so I am always kind of looking at things like, you know, what can we do to make this more fun? And so we've, we've done those things in our home too. Um, I threw like, super over the top elaborate birthdays for both of our kids. Mm-hmm. And I know that they don't remember any of those early celebrations, but for me, it was yeah. an outlet for my creativity, mm-hmm. but it was an outlet for me to celebrate their lives yeah. and the things that we had made it through in that year, you know, the accomplishments that our family had had. And so I, I love a good party too. Like I, I love putting together parties and events. And so um, even just small ways that, you know, I can look for to celebrate those things are really important for me mm-hmm. and for my own mental health, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I had shared something on Facebook. Madison has now decided she wants to be a party planner. And so, and I think I've rubbed off on her a little bit, but I said, okay, let's, let's, tell, let's throw a party for something. And we love watching Shark Week on Discovery Channel. Love and it. so she planned a Shark Week party. And it it was just a really small way for her to be involved and to do something fun for our family. And, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to wait for birthdays or for anniversaries. Mm -hmm. It can be small things like that. And maybe it's not a, a, you know, all out party that you do, but maybe it's a a specific, uh, you know, recurring event that you do in your home, you know, something fun that you celebrate, you know, maybe it's just, putting together a really over the top movie night for your family, Mm -hmm. just so you guys can get together and, you know, kind of forget about the week. So that's just kind of how I personally have tried to cope and, and give myself some mental diversions is just by trying to find joy and ways to celebrate in, Mm -hmm. in the small things in life. I love it because there's so much hard in this world, as we all know. And then, uh, and it's a choice, isn't it? I mean, it's a choice to choose that joy and to choose to celebrate. 
Um, it is, it is, a, it, and, but I think it's one of those things we kind of talked about this at, at by the brook with redefine is that once you kind of start doing that, once you kind of force yourself to make those choices of joy and hope and serving and loving others, then it, it becomes a natural output for you. It just kind of becomes part of who you mm-hmm. are. And then it, it gets easier in time, but you kind of have to have to work at it sometimes to make that happen. But it's so life-giving um, and it's life-giving for those around when we are making those choices to find the positives and to be joyful and hopeful. So bravo, good job. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to see some more of our parties. I think that's a, I mean, what a great yeah, thing to already be planning. So anybody in the Cookville area, if you need a party planned, yeah, call Madison, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that is great. For sure. That yeah, absolutely. Great. But it's it's fun to watch her kind of process through that, and mm-hmm. she she makes a million lists and she gets on Pinterest, and it's really cute to watch Love her. It. But you know, if it's also a creative outlet for her, then I'm mm-hmm. in full support of it. And um, it's, it's just a, another time that we're not thinking about those challenges and those yeah, challenges absolutely. have nothing to do with what we're planning or what we're focusing on. Absolutely. I love that. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Mandy, for taking the time to share part of your story with us. Um, I love getting to know more about you and your family. And I know our listeners are as well. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.